This week's episode of Trek Geeks is brought to you by Fansets, the place for amazing pin collectibles. They have close to 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins to choose from, with new pins coming out every month. See all the pins and collectibles they have to offer at fansets.com, and stay tuned for this week's special Trek Geeks discount code. Fansets. We are Star Trek. Hi, this is Andy Robinson, Elam Garrick on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Failure to tune in would not sit well with the Obsidian Order. a secret pod fleet listening post on the edge of Vulcan space. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings, one and all. Welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. Thank you so much for downloading and listening today. We are truly excited and glad to have you aboard this ship, which is apparently about to careen out of control as soon as I introduce my co-host. Yeah, I, I have a co-host. I could do this show alone. But it's good to have a bit of a punching bag every now and then. I mean, the Andorians have one in the episode we're about to talk about tonight. And um, suffice it to say that if he were an Andorian, he would have been left home on Andoria. In this cold, in the snow, um, because there's no way they would let this bonehead off world. He, in fact, he wouldn't have antennas sticking out of his head. He, he'd be that Andorian. He'd be the, the kid who just cries in the corner softly, rocking gently back and forth, muttering to himself. Um, oh, Dan, you're here. Hey, buddy. How are you? Oh, sorry. Are we recording? Sorry. Yeah, yeah we're, we're recording. Yeah. I was in the corner crying and moaning. Making... Hi. How are, thing, how are things at <laughs> Andoria? Cold. Yeah? I, I can't read too good, so I don't know. It's a. It's going to be like that here in uh, in in the United States pretty soon. Cold. Good. Good. I hope you hate it, jerk. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to be here, man. I love your introductions because I really never know what to expect. So uh, so thanks a lot. I know they're going to be bad, but meaning bad towards me because you hate me. But um, I appreciate them, and and I'm just glad to be here because I don't think you could do it alone. You know why? Because you need you need the love. I'm here to give you the love because you're the best. Is that what that is? Yeah. We're here to talk about the Andorian incident tonight because there's not a lot of love in that episode. So I'm there's just going to bring the love really here. not. It's really a mean episode, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing to think that this was the sixth ever episode of Star Trek Enterprise, hmm. which back then I guess was just called Enterprise, which yes. I hated. Yeah. Well, it's hated been a long road now. So. You know, I feel like anytime somebody brings it up, I, I immediately want to stab them in the throat. But sometimes I do it and I don't have that feeling. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yes, that very early sixth sixth episode, but I'm glad that they brought this story in when they did because it it allowed us to grab onto something that we're familiar with yet not 
Huh? <laughs> little trickery by the writers there in the writers' room at, at uh, Enterprise. So uh, we decided, why not? It's time to talk. And besides, as I said last week, anytime you get Jeffrey Combs guest starring, it's an episode that you're just going to want to talk about because he's awesome. He's dreamy. Love <laughs> dreamy, that guy. Dreamy. I love it. <laughs> he just love his antenna. Yeah, that's so good. It's I awesome. know he's such a great. He's got great, a temper in this one too. You know, it's 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 good that they kept bringing him back. I mean, because when you have Jeffrey Combs available, you bring him back no matter what. Absolutely. And uh, Shran is just a character that well, he gets his start in this episode, and we have no idea at this point that we're going to see him again. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is really kind of a, a great introduction to him. So speaking of introductions, Dan, how might people introduce themselves to us by way of the onlines? Well, if you're not sure how to get in touch with us, don't be blue. Just head on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you will find more ways to get in touch with Trek Geeks than you could shake an Andoria antenna at, Bill. Uh, You can leave us a voicemail. You can Skype chat us. You can fill out the contact form and type us out a personalized message. Or you can even click on that big blue button on the right-hand side of the website and leave us a message with your very own mellifluous tones using SpeakPipe. Big blue button... And Dorian's. I'm sensing a trend here, buddy. And don't forget, the place to be on Facebook these days is the official Trek Geeks Facebook group, Camp Kidmer. Bring your Trek talk, your Trek picks, and your Trek love over to the site and join over 1,500 other friends talk all things Trek. It is the place on social media where the Trek talk is positive with no bashing or gatekeeping allowed. Plus, if there are new announcements about the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, you're going to hear about it first in Camp Kittimer before anyone else in the quadrant. To join the group, just go over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, Sarah, and Dan for the amazing job they do running the camp. Also, Pinkskin, please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode and may be used against you with the Andorian Guard. You've been warned. Wow, that sounds very severe. Andoria. You know, they think they're, you know, people think they're gentle. Mm -mm. They're not. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call an audible on you tonight. And uh, just last week, we decided we were going to give away some fansets pins. And... That's what we're going to do right now. We, uh, we're going to give away some, some fantastic pins to a lucky entrant who used the fantastical hashtag smarter than Bill and Dan last week, because we're talking about uh, artificial intelligence. Awesome. So, so so there's no Trek news this week. So let me, let me hold on. Fan sets giveaway. Fan sets giveaway. Fan sets giveaway. We're going to give away some pins. <laughs> that was that was fantastic. I didn't realize we were going to have a song. That's awesome. I didn't either. It just came to me. <laughs> so uh, so last week, you'll recall, um, there were a bunch of AI-related pins that we were going to give away. And of course, yeah. I don't have the list in front of me. <laughs> of course you don't. Um, <clears throat> but uh, suffice it to say, there's a bunch of them in there. I think we had like five or six. I th- yeah, we had several. Uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit here while you try to find and pull that stuff up. I know that we had Ilea, we had a Borg drone, we had um, uh, Arium. I know we had Arium, which is very very cool. We also had uh, Nomad uh, from the Changeling episode, and I know I'm forgetting one. Oh, we had Data, the Mirror Universe Data. 
uh, from the comic book series. Oh, also. that's right. So, that's yeah, right. so we had a good good amount of AI um, type related pins, which is very very cool. And um, we want to give those away to one lucky winner. So as you mentioned, we had a uh, contest on Twitter this this past week. Uh, hashtag Smarter Than Dan and Bill. If you use that in a tweet, uh, we would see it and we would put you in the running for the contest. And Bill, we had a great response to this. So a lot of people like fansets, a lot of people like AI, because we don't have a lot of intelligence here on the show. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I've got the list up here in front of me, and I'm going to ask you, my illustrious co-host, to please pick a number between 1 and 51, and we will pick a winner for this awesome set of AI pins from fansets. Okay, well, I'm gonna. Uh, do you want me to pick that number now? Pick it right now. I'm gonna go right through the list and boom, gonna read it out. Boom. All right, because uh, you know we're talking about artificial intelligence, and that's the kind of thing that is infinitely growing. I'm gonna pick number eight, symbolizing infinity. Oh, very nice. Falls on its side, and then you got infinity. So eight, blah, 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 eight. Dylan Worth is the winner of the set of pins. That is awesome, uh, and I believe uh, Arkansas Dylan Worth, uh, if uh, memory serves correctly, from uh, looking at his uh, profile here on Twitter. So, so Dylan, we're going to send you a direct message to get all of your shipping information so that we can have uh, the guys at Fanset Fansets send you over that awesome collection. Thanks for taking part in the uh, in the giveaway. I know we're going to have some more uh, in the coming weeks, and um, you're going to love the pins because. Yeah, they're awesome, just like fan sets. <laughs> Indeed, they are. So congratulations to Dylan. That's pretty fantastic. And again, that's Arium from Star Trek Discovery, the Ilea Probe from Star Trek The Motion Picture, the uh, Mirror Data from the, from the Mirror Universe TNG Comics, Nomad from TOS, and a Borg Drone. So uh, those will be coming your way. We'll get in touch with you to, uh, to make that happen, Dylan. And um, uh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. You know, we could always use some more intelligence on the show, like I said a minute ago. So I think I think uh, what I want to do is is put all my AI pins up here on my monitor so that they can help. How many times are you gonna make that intelligence in our show joke? It's it's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dan, we just talked about them uh, mere moments ago, but we want to thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode, as they always do. Whether you're a hardcore collector of their pins, or you know you just like having a few to show off to your friends, you can be sure that each pin comes with a dedication and love of this franchise that you would expect. After all, I mean, just look at their tagline. It really does say it all. We are Star Trek, and they truly are. Yeah, they certainly are, man. That's one of the best things about Lou, John, and the entire team of folks over at Fansets. They do this because they love it. Star Trek's in their blood, and it shows with every pin they produce. They're dedicated to providing the best possible product. Uh, Case in point, you may remember this one, man. When the Dr. Phlox pin was coming out, they noticed that the color of his hands just wasn't quite right. So did they just say, oh, well, and release it anyway? Oh, no. They scrapped the whole lot, got it fixed because they want their customers to have the best of the best. And speaking of the best, 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 Bill, uh, keep your eyes peeled for some of their new releases coming very soon, like Wesley Crusher. I know you're really looking forward to that one. Hooded Giorgio from Discovery Season 2. And the coffee cup wielding Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager NCC 74656, baby. 
I, wow, I'm amazed you made it through that sentence. That's pretty amazing. You know, we've seen the preview art for that Janeway pin, and it really does look amazing. It's like Janeway is going to pop right off of the uh, off of the screen there. What else is amazing, Dan, is that as a special bonus to Trek Geeks listeners, you can get 15% off your entire order at fansets.com this week simply by entering the word SHRAN at checkout. That's S-H-R-A-N in all capital letters. Keep in mind this bonus code is going to be available until Tuesday, October 22nd at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets. We are Star Trek, and we thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode. We move on into the main body of this week's episode to talk about the Andorian incident from Star Trek Enterprise. You know, I watched this a couple of times before recording this week, and this really, to me, has a vibe of one of those classic TOS episodes. Um, not so much in the setup, but in the beaming down to a place, getting captured, and then needing to find a way out. I thought it was a very familiar situation to find a Starfleet crew in, in days before TNG. Um, and it, you know, as the sixth episode of this show, it, it felt like I was coming home a little bit. Yeah, it really does a good job of that. I also like the fact that um, right from the get-go, the, uh, the the human portion of the crew is really excited to uh, to go check this place out um, because it's something that they have not seen before. And you can see the hesitation and the trepidation uh, on T'Pol's face. But yet, Archer says, we're going to go do it anyway. Because at the beginning of the series, that's kind of what they did. <laughs> and I actually like that about about this episode. It really is good. Like you say, they're going to beam down, and you know something's going to happen. And sure enough, something happens. Um, very, very interesting story. And it's one that I, I've always appreciated as one of the very first episodes of Enterprise. I kind of dig the fact that DePaul is just really kind of annoyed by the fact that they want to go there. And because they insist, she's got to lead them through the whole ritual. Okay, well, here's what you're going to experience. You know, this is this is a monastery. You know, you got to be quiet. There's going to be a stone. You got to touch the stone. Don't look at the dude in the eyes. Um, it, she seems to go through this despite not wanting to. And it takes flocks sort of reminding her that, you know, hey, there's this thing you all believe in, you know, called, uh, what is it again? Uh, infinite um, diversity something. Something or other. Something or other. And oh. I'm, I'm really kind of glad that scene in the mess hall exists because it, it kind of level sets to Paul, you know, into a situation where, you know, you're right. This is what Vulcans believe in. So let's go do the thing. Two parts that I that I thought of instantly when you were talking about that is yeah she doesn't want to do it but she has a great time in her own way of explaining all of the things they have to do in the very specific way and then even goes so far as to brush off a little dust on Archer's shoulder as they're getting ready to enter the monastery I love that and that scene in in the mess hall is the perfect example of something that I've always felt is that Doctor Flox was more than just the doctor on Enterprise he was the counselor also. Um, and I really think that he does a great job, especially with T'Pol, through various things throughout the series of how to uh, interact with the crew. They're both aliens. They make that very clear. Um, but he does a great job of it. And I, and I always appreciated what Billingsley has done in that role. I, you know, I never thought about that before, but I, I think you're 100% right. I think that Phlox is sort of the de facto counselor because he gets to step back and observe humans meeting some of these species for the first time, some of which he may or may not have met, and then offering grounded wisdom. And I think that's really the key for Phlox. He's very wise. And I think that this 
he takes this opportunity to sort of small talk to Paul over a meal and kind of sort of steer her in the right direction. I think he knows what he's doing in this scene. I don't think it's all just sort of, hey, tell me about this whole diversity thing. Oh, yes. I think he's totally, you know, twisting her arm a little as in the very flocks way, you know, the very non-intrusive way to sort of get her back on the right path. Right. He's, he's, he's purposefully setting her up. Just he's 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 really taking control of the situation and 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 doing something that you wouldn't expect most people can do with a Vulcan. He turns things into something positive because you know optimism, Captain. <laughs> okay, that's the only part with Flocks in the whole episode, so we can get away from that now. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is. You know, it's which is a shame because but it's perfect. Yeah, it really is. It's a really well written and constructed scene, mm-hmm. and honestly. You know, I know that there are a lot of people out there who just aren't fans of T'Pol. I'm a huge T'Pol fan. And this episode is really one reason why. Because she clearly starts this episode in one place and then completely comes around to yet another by the very end. You know, she's like, oh boy, the humans want to go see the monastery. To the point where she has a really hard time defending the actions of the Vulcans at the monastery and her government. I like. Uh, let me let me rephrase. I was not a fan of T'Pol in the early part of Enterprise, but I don't think that's because of T'Pol. As weird as that sounds, I think that's the way that the writers depicted the Vulcans, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. I think that she was kind of an exclamation point to that because she was stuck on this ship with humans, and she had to deal with them having a a, a stick up their backside about about humans, especially Archer and how um, his dad was held back by them and, and so on and so forth. And But she has some some great moments in this episode um, where you can tell that she's not really interested in it, but she has a really emotional moment in this episode, which is one of my favorite parts of the episode because it makes me laugh out loud. If that's when they're, um, they're getting cold, it's getting dark and they're cold, so they're sharing a blanket, she and Archer, and he questions whether or not she is going to follow his orders and she basically says are you questioning my loyalties and then just turns away and snatches the blanket right off of him that's a great archer to paul moment and one that sticks out three entire four seasons of the show i couldn't agree more i watched that scene a couple of times simply just for that interaction i um i, I really appreciate what jolene brought to that role and i thought that this was a really good opportunity to grow that to Paul character in this way, as you talk about, where she shows where her loyalty is. Granted, she's only been on the ship nine weeks, you know, as far as the uh, as far as canon tells us, and that's you know, Archer's kind of right to question where her loyalty lies in that sense. She's on board, but she's not necessarily fully invested in Archer or the mission per se. She's there because she has to be. So I think that that's a really a defining moment, not just for T'Pol, but also for Archer too, because he learns pretty quickly that, you know, she trusts him and, and will will pretty much follow the orders. Yeah, I, I want to say this right up right up front here as we're talking about T'Pol and Jolene. Um, I really grew to love the character uh, as the course of Enterprise um, as it ran its course, I should say. And one of the things that makes me so sad is that unfortunately Jolene does not do any conventions. She doesn't do any of those things anymore. She's kind of moved on with her life uh, from that aspect because that's one person that I would love to meet at a convention to talk with and listen to her on stage talk about um, what it was like to be on this show. It's really sad. I thought she did the last Enterprise um, anniversary. 
It's, it, it, she 15. hasn't been in any that I've been in in the last you know six six years. No, that's so. true. Yeah, that's true. Wow, it's hard to believe it's that long. It's been like five years. Wow, unbelievable. Yeah, it's ruined my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I really like about the the scene where Archer and Trip discover the Andorian crouching behind the sort of room divider is that uh, there's this unspoken communication between them. And you can tell that Trip and Archer have worked well together. You can tell they have this bond. You can tell that they have these silent cues just down as to what the other one is thinking. And uh, by the tackling the Andorian is a little clumsy, but um, they definitely get the drop on him. And that's actually a, a part of that relationship I really enjoy that they have that shorthand. Yeah, they, they do, that 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 one little symbol, the gesture that he makes, like a, a weapon against his chest, and it's, it's and you just see the recognition uh, in Trip's face. They've always done ever since the very beginning, the very first scene with the two of them in the shuttle pod, if I remember correctly, was their first scene together. Uh, th- those two mesh and work well together. Of course, Scott is fantastic in everything he does, but um, uh, I really like the character. And this episode, even though it's a hostage episode and Archer gets the tar beaten out of him uh, on more than one occasion, um, I really think Trip is the one in, in this episode that really stands out with a lot of um, special moments. I agree with you. Um, I, you know, there are some scenes clearly where Trip is the second banana. You know, when Archer first gets, you know, nailed in the face by Shran trips like hey I'm like all right that was a little clumsy but you know somebody had to be with Archer and it made perfect sense for it to be trip um I, I think it's probably well back in you know the early episodes I think it's episode two or so you know trip is bummed he doesn't get to go on the uh, the landing party and I think this is one time he probably wished he hadn't gone on the landing party although whenever trip leaves the ship something happens that's true Connor, Connor's just awesome, and I love the accent. I love the I love the little facial quirks he has, and and it's funny when when some of the scenes happen and he makes those quirky faces. You can just hear that dun, 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 from the original <laughs> series for some reason that always pops into my mind. But um, yeah, then we have the Andorians. Oh. Well, one more thing about Trip, real quick. Um, if you notice, when the first season, like the first handful of episodes uh he f- he leaves the ship he falls under the uh, uh under the spell of hallucinogenic uh, mm. gas in a cave right he gets knocked up <laughs> right and he almost starts an interstellar incident with archer um i would never let that guy off the ship again <laughs> <laughs> porthos does a better job <laughs> oh i mean he's a hell of an engineer don't get me wrong but uh the last thing i think we want to do is let this guy out in the wild wow. but speaking of the wild you brought up the andorians um I think this was a really great way to reintroduce them and their xenophobia and their sort of hyper-militaristic sense as a foil for Archer and definitely the Vulcans because this starts an arc that, that kind of weaves in and out over the seasons. It's amazing. You know, we saw the Andorians only once, if I remember correctly, in TOS with Journey to Babel. Um and uh, once in the animated once series. Once in the animated series. And, you know, it's, it was great to see these blue aliens in TOS. 
they are so amazing in Enterprise. The 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 wardrobe, those black uniforms that they wear in the Imperial Guard, and of course now with the technology, they have the moving antenna, and and they just do a they do a, everybody who plays an Andorian does a great job in this episode. Of course, we'll get to to Jeffrey Combs in a minute, but it was great to bring this little known alien race back into the franchise when they did here, because as you said. There's an arc that starts in this episode. There's another there's another episode later that refers to this specific place of all things in Shadows of Pajem. I mean, it's just, it's just a great way that they have reintroduced the Andorians and they're here to stay and they do a they do their fantastic addition to Enterprise. I'm on deck five by my quarters. I've been attacked by an Andorian. Security. <laughs> Security. Yeah. Absolutely. The antennas on, on these Andorians look far better than the ones that that were on the dude in, in Journey to Babel. Um, it, it, I think one of the things that fascinates me, looking at the Vulcans for a second, is uh, I'm really having a hard time understanding Vulcan society in this episode. Because there are really kind of things that seem contrary to what we believe Vulcans to be. And again, I'm just looking at this episode as a moment in time. Um, let's pretend that I haven't seen the rest of Enterprise. Because when I watched this first run, I hadn't seen the rest of Enterprise. Sure. The Vulcans have a monastery. All right, I'm with you. They got dead Vulcans buried underneath, which doesn't seem logical. They've essentially developed a religion. Well, again, not logical. And um, uh, am I missing something here? The fact that they're jerks. <laughs> oh, they are total jerks. You know, what this episode tells us is that the Vulcans can't be trusted. Yeah. And th- they seem more like Romulans in this sense, with all their behind-the-scenes doings and the and the the, the, the hidden listening post and the, the intrigue than, than really the Romulans, because we haven't met the Romulans at this point. It's really... I've, I have a hard time with this iteration of the Vulcans because it seems so contrary to what we know them to be. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. And this is something that I've talked about several times when we talk about Enterprise. I've talked about it here on the show. I've talked about it one-on-one with people. I don't like how they portray the Vulcans here. Now, people can argue that, well, how come we don't have a problem with the way they portray Vulcans in Discovery and, and this, that, and the other thing? Vulcans on Enterprise, it's like they were meant to be jerks, at least at the beginning, they hold back humans um, from from going out into space. They lie. They lie in this one like the whole time. They're secretive. They they just they have a don't even get me started with this whole human odor problem that becomes like a f- central point in this episode. They just they're they're kind of repugnant to me. I guess that's the best word I can use in the early season. Uh, seasons, if not all of season one in Enterprise, all the way up to Soval. Soval even is a jerk. I mean, and, and Topal to some extent is too. It's just I don't like the way they're represented on Enterprise for the most part. The smell thing I, is actually really the one aspect I didn't have a problem with, or the odor that that some species have. Um, I, I always, and I think this is covered in some of the some of the the Blish books from the seventies because I remember reading this somewhere, and I can't remember now where it was. But you know, Vulcans, uh, you know, they're their sort of olfactory senses kind of get assaulted being around humans because, well, we smell different. And so I can understand that aspect. I do think it was called out just a little too much in this this episode. episode Especially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they talk about it in the very beginning. They talk about it in the middle and all right. A nasal numbing agent to me, 
It's like, come on, really? I mean, so, so you're not going to smell anything just because you can't handle the way that Bill smells? Or, I'm sorry, humans? Wow. So now I'm human. Thank you for the promotion. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I could, I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. Yeah. To Paul mentions at the beginning, she mentions it with Archer and the, at the blanket. She mentions it with the uh, the monastery leader. Right. Um, it, it, it seems a little over the top. I get it. Human smell. All right. Let's move on. Uh, but yeah, Vulcan's definitely jerks at this time. I would counter that with Vulcans live on a hot and arid planet. They probably don't smell too ripe neither. Well, but they may not have the same, you know, sweat glands that we have or odor producing. Uh, eh, that's stuff. biology. Come on. Give me some Maybe it's lights. their green blood that makes them smell like daisies. I don't Coppery. know. Coppery. Yeah. It's copper daisies. Hashtag ah, okay. copper daisies. Wow. <laughs> that's really kind of quispitational. I love it. Um, another thing that I. I I kind of enjoy about this episode is that Trip, I'm sorry, not Trip, Malcolm gets to sit in the center seat. Yes, he does. And be in command. And I'm thinking to myself, who left him in command? And then we're running through the, the crew. I'm like, oh, wait, he's probably the only one left. Um, right. He's the next ranking officer. And and he does a good job of that. He he gives, I don't know, I'm, I'm not getting the quote exact, but he's like, that's not going to happen while I'm in command or something along those lines. He, he actually does a pretty good job being in command of the Enterprise. I thought that was pretty cool. He does. You know, he seems a little eager as a as a tactical officer or a weapons officer but i think that he balances the the responsibilities of command incredibly well i i wish we had seen more of malcolm in the captain's chair you know other than in uh in, you know the, uh, the the reset button episode a couple seasons later uh, because i think that would have been really cool as long as morehouse is in command i'm good with it <laughs> Well, but see, Morehouse would have to be on the bridge because Malcolm would be sitting in the center seat. So Morehouse oh. would get to fire phasers, maybe? Still, it's not. That's always dangerous in itself. Oh, don't I know it. <laughs> so far, I think the only vessel that, that Morehouse has fired on her is Vulcan. So, oh, uh, good point. That's maybe he would fit in in this episode. Maybe he then. would fit in. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um, so the whole idea of the catacombs seems odd to me. One, there are always caves in Star Trek. I get it. Um, already in this series and six episodes, we've had two cave episodes, um, <laughs> but it, it does seem like the perfect hiding place for a gigantic listening post. And my first question, I suppose, is this, did nobody detect power being used? Yeah, th- th- there, there are parts of this episode that, um, don't make sense. And that's one of them because when they open that curtain, you know, to, you know pay no attention to that thing behind the curtain. Yeah. It's giant. Um, do Andorians have scanners? Um, I can't imagine there's any type of cloaking technology that the Vulcans have to possibly hide all of that, especially if they're in a place that doesn't isn't supposed to have power. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to have technology, if yeah. you're going to hide a giant listening post, maybe you should put it like in the middle of Times Square or something. <laughs> you know, I mean, just someplace that you know does a lot of interference going on. It, those kind of things in this episode, early season one, early writing, I get it. So I'm, I'm okay to give it a little bit of a pass. But those are questions that, uh, I mean, if the two of us have those questions, then I know that a few dozen other people might have come up with them too. Well, we know that the Andorians scanned the Enterprise in yeah. orbit, so they knew it had weapons. Right. We know the Andorians scanned the planet to know where the, the monastery was, where the Vulcans are. They you- even had technology that was good enough to know that two more humans had beamed down to the planet. Um, and just had to figure out where they were. And even a cloaking device is going to require power. 
Yeah, absolutely. Just saying. Uh, if there were a dampening field, they would have probably detected a dampening field. I would think so. Just saying. <laughs> Is it just me or, you know, in the, the, the shot late in the episode where they're in the reliquary and the door is revealed to the listening post, did you think, oh, that's where Professor X is? Because wow. the door's got a big X in the center. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that, that and, and I'm sorry, I know special effects can be dated sometimes, but that whole listening post look was extremely fake looking to me. <laughs> It just, it just was. I yeah. don't know why. Um, you could tell it was, it was blue screen, probably blue screen. Ah, Andorians. Um, but that scene was, was superimposed, obviously, uh, in the episode, and it, and it, it showed. I thought. Oh, I agree with you 100%. I think even in 2001, when this was broadcast, it showed. Yeah. Um, you know, it was... Uh, digital technology is not what it was today. Granted, the, the space exteriors look fantastic, but green screen shots like that don't necessarily look f- all that awesome. Sure. But what's, it's funny because the matte painting, or if it was green screen or whatever of the monastery with the shuttle coming in and landing is gorgeous beautiful absolutely gorgeous so it's weird that there's these extremes uh depending on what you're looking at during the episode i, I mean that, the, it sounds like we're talking all the bad things about this episode. i love the episode oh i Don't love the wrong. episode yeah uh, i love that that matte painting of the of the monastery i would love a a high-res version of that as wallpaper because mm, yeah. i think it's that great um, one uh, one thing, speaking of technology, because we've been talking about that a little bit. One thing that I really loved about this was the use of the transporter, because people are scared of the transporter transporters in this in this time time frame, because there is a, isn't really a lot known about them spreading your atoms across uh, the universe, this that and the other thing. Um, but I'm glad they got to use it, and nobody died. well it's funny because you know hoshi's getting ready to beam them down which strikes me as an odd choice to have hoshi do it but okay she didn't have any lines in the episode other than that but um one guy who's nervous to get on the platform if you look at the at the shot of the three of those guys on the transporter platform it's malcolm in the front guy over his right shoulder's like yeah let's do this and the guy over his left shoulder is like what in the holy hell am i doing here (laughs) it's a great scene a good a good tense scene with a little bit of comedy thrown in is really pretty nice i like plus i I like the fact that you know this is probably i think the second or third time we've used the transporters and enterprise at this point um i i wish they'd used them more i I wasn't a big fan of the shuttle pods i i gotta say one thing about the enterprise every series has its own special effect for transporters and every alien species has its own effect i love enterprise's transporter sequence i think it's really cool looking yeah i I like how they do that one well i think we've talked about in a previous episode that's kind of how i judge a Mm. series sure as to what their transporter effect (laughs) is i don't know why it's just i always have i particularly dug voyagers i gotta say Yes, I th- they're all really good. Even the Klingon one's kind of cool. Yes, uh, nothing's better than the transporters of the hunters in oh. Captain Pursuit, though. That's the best one. I- off on a little tangent there. Don't I know it? Yeah. So at the end of this episode, you know, T'Pol has a choice to make, and I think it's a very important one, not only in the scope of her place aboard the Enterprise, but also in the scope of the galaxy, because the decision she makes um, has the potential to start an interstellar incident. Um, she essentially takes the photos of this place and gives them over to the Andorians at, at Archer's suggestion and then lets them go on their way. That's a bold move and one that I'm sure um, uh, she probably got a bunch of logical heat from. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine what the Vulcan High Command is going to be saying to her after this fact. Now, now I will say that that 
Archer is her commanding officer, and he pretty much made it an order to do it. Um, and but she and she obeyed it. She could have hesitated. She didn't really hesitate at all. Um, she did it because you know why? I think inside she knew it was the right thing to do because there's not supposed to be a listening post here, people, and there is, and you're making us all look like fools. So here you go. You know it. It brings to mind a sort of, um, well, you know, we talk about the temporal Cold War in season one of Enterprise, but there's a very real Cold War in the sense of the Alpha and Beta quadrants with, you know, the Andorians and the Vulcans. And this is the kind of stuff that that just brings across shades of, of the Cold War that this country went through, you know. Trust but verify, um, you know, listening posts like the Soviet Union was allegedly known for. And T'Pol plays a pivotal role in starting, you know, these two races down a path of having to to get over some stuff and work together. But it's a rocky, rocky road, man. Isn't that what Star Trek does best is takes uh, things from the time and turns them into stories that people remember forever? And this is a, this is a good example of that. Uh, you know, let that be your last battlefield is one that always comes to mind. This type of thing with the Cold War is a great example. Also, I do have one question for you, Bill. As we're talking about the Vulcans and this listening post, it's one that I'm not sure there's an answer to, but I'd like to get your take on it. Yeah. The elder at the monastery says that there is no outpost, and he is you know he keeps the he keeps his look the whole way through, and then we find out through the young Vulcan. That there is, in fact, a listening post. Do you think that the elder knew about it, or do you think that he uh, was did not have any idea and was just as surprised when this young guy came in to and was protecting uh, anybody finding out, and then the curtain was drawn? I think he knew. I think he was at least complicit. Okay. Um, uh, I think that it's almost impossible that he wouldn't know. You know, it's not like the the whole you know Klingons of Boreth and the and the time crystals in Star Trek Discovery, where it's entirely possible that there's some Klingons that don't know. I think whereas the sole purpose of this monastery seems to be the listening post, I have to believe that on some level he knew, and um, either was part of it or at least turned a blind eye. I, I like to I'd like to hope that he didn't know about it because if he did know about it, then this is another example. It's something that we've talked about before where there's always this quote, Vulcans are incapable of lying, but we've always come across instances where they do. I'm not particularly talking about Spock because Spock is half human, but we've seen other instances where that does happen. And it kind of is another one of those black marks for me on the way that Vulcans are portrayed in the early goings of Enterprise. So I like I'd like to hope that he didn't know, but I'm I think I'm kind of with you on that. I don't I don't look at it as part of the whole Vulcans, you know, don't lie thing. Because it's obvious that Vulcans know when to selectively tell the truth. Yes, a lie of omission is still a lie. We learned that from Jean-Luc Picard. But I mean, there are plenty of times where Spock is not volunteering things and it's not necessarily lying. Well, I would agree with that. But in this one, the Elder does come right out and say that there's no listening post here. And that they've been doing this for months. They come in, they don't find anything, and then they leave. Because there's nothing to find. True, but so, Spock also hijacks a starship and pretends to have authorization to do it. And yeah. tells the crew he does. Right. Um, or, you know, Spock infiltrates a Romulan cruiser, you know, with the idea of defecting yep. and uh, isn't really defecting. So, I mean, I, I think that situationally they, they will tell whatever story is necessary. But uh, I've always thought the whole Vulcans can't lie thing is a crock. Yeah. Um, 
Star I think it's Bridge. ridiculous. Starbridge Operations, Starbase Operations, Starbase Operations Enterprise. I'm sorry. Whenever you talk about Spock stealing the Enterprise, that's what I think of because I love that scene. I know. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I'm okay with it. Okay. You know, because I think it fits. I think it fits every iteration of Vulcans we've ever seen. You know, I think if I have to think about it, and I just barely finished watching Star Trek Voyager. Uh, so far, I think Tuvok is guilty of it too. Um, at least situationally, because he pretended to be a Maquis. Um, other than that, I think he's probably the most straight arrow Vulcan we've ever yeah, seen. I think you're right. Um, I have one other question about the monastery itself, and this is one that I, I posed to Sue when we watched it last week. Um, the young Vulcan, and I apologize, I can't remember his name at the moment, but he was kind of a punk. I didn't like him too much. Um, he is talking about how the lower, the lower part of the monastery has not been... Nobody's visited, been down there and visited it for for years and years. But when they went down there, there were torches lit. <laughs> <laughs> I found that odd. I said, "Huh? How'd yeah. that happen?" <laughs> yeah, uh, I think uh, I think it's because he's trying to keep them from going down there. Honestly, without saying you can't go down there. Okay. Well, why? That's yeah. going to make them want to go down. Um, I have to say the uh, the second banana in Dorian. <laughs> Tholos, I think his name was Tholos. Yeah, I believe so. Yep, that dude's creepy, nutty. He, he's a serial killer in waiting. <laughs> I hear, I've heard about your mating rituals, that, that Vulcan women force their men to fight to the death. Would you like me to kill someone for you? <laughs> wow, you're creeping me out right now. Uh, he creeped it, me out watching this episode. It's funny that you bring that up. And I, I got to say, I'm laughing inside right now. I'm going to laugh outside. <laughs> I actually almost didn't want to put him on the album cover for this week's episode because he's so creepy. But I'm like, you know what? The picture of Jeffrey Combs and Sharon is so perfect in that one. I got to do it. So, yeah, he is, he is a creepy dude. And he is a creepy dude. Thelos is a total creeper, man. Yeah, I, uh, I just, do I, we, do we see him again? Uh, I think we do. Oh boy. Okay. I'm pretty sure we do. Um, I don't, I don't think it's. I'd have. To, it's been a while since I've rewatched all of Enterprise. Um, I actually just started doing that. So, um, figured now that I finished Voyager, I That's should right. continue on. Congratulations. Um, thank you. We'll talk about that in an upcoming episode. Absolutely, we will. Uh, I mentioned him just a moment ago, but my God. Is there anything that Jeffrey Combs cannot do in Star Trek that is just gold? This character was written for him. You can even leave off the in Star Trek. Is there anything Jeffrey Combs does that that isn't just pure gold? Um, my favorite line he has in the episode is is a very genuine one. And it's heartfelt where he tells Archer, we're in your debt. Yes. And I believe that because I believe that Shran is the kind of character at this point that pays those debts. And I'm glad that we see him again because Jeffrey Combs, as you say, never disappoints. And we actually get a starship named after him later on, as mm. we see in Discovery, which is great. So we know that he's an important figure. But he is just so – he is acting perfection to me in all of the roles that he does. This one, Shran has become a, a favorite. Wayne's always going to be my favorite Je- uh, Jeffrey Combs character. But but as Shran, you know, it's great that they have the technology now for the antenna because the antenna kind of show the emotion that the, that the being is showing at the time. And when he shows emotion, motion on his face and then those antennas fall back or come forward it's just it's just so great to watch and you could just freeze the screen and just stare at him because he's so maniacal but yet he knows exactly what he's doing in this episode his temper is off the charts in this one oh, smashing it's... communicators and punching An archer. archer yeah it's, it's he's so good in this i love that guy 
Archer is going to need a good orthodontist after this. I hope Flox has some experience in that because he just takes so many shots to the face. I'm surprised he's not missing teeth. Your face. <laughs> Your face. So let's talk about some behind the scenes stuff with this episode because I always like some of these details. Um, previous working titles for this script before it was the Andorian incident, which sounds kind of very TOS, were Assault on Memory Alpha, which could have been very interesting. Interesting. Uh, incident at Pajem. Okay. Space Station. I can't even say this one. This is you would you'd never be able to say it. Space Station Siege. Space Station Siege. Yeah, I can say that. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Other people's wars. That's actually a very thought-provoking. Title. That's my favorite one. And then Untitled Vulcan Station. Well, think about it. The planet's not on the Vulcan star charts. Yeah. Maybe it was a space mm-hmm. station that wasn't on the Vulcan star charts, which could have been very interesting. I like the whole monastery aspect, even though I, I disagree with this notion of the Vulcans having a monastery uh, or a religion. Um, but I, I kind of, it made me wonder about assault at memory uh, on memory alpha. I think that would have been interesting if memory alpha had indeed been a listening post. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I I go I'll I'll go one step further. Maybe it's not on their Vulcan star charts because they don't want it to be because exactly. it's a listening post. Exactly. That, that's, that just could be the way that just the the simple way of saying what you just said. I think that's why it's it's not on there is so that <laughs> yeah. people don't just stop by and go, "Hey, we want to see your nice monastery." Hey girl, hey. Hey. <laughs> um Believe it or not, the Gorn were originally thought to be the alien featured as the villains in this episode. But one of the reasons why they were replaced with the Andorians was that the Gorn were considered unable to talk, which makes sense. It does, but I'll tell you what, I would have loved to have seen the Gorn in this episode until I saw the Gorn in... <laughs> in a mirror in darkly. A, the, in a mirror darkly, yeah. Then he's like, you know. <laughs> no. No. Um, I think they made the right choice by selecting the Andorians because... You can certainly get more expressive. They would have gone CGI with the Gorn. It would not have looked right. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think this is absolutely the right call. Um, there's also, you know, Michael Westmore got to revamp the Andorians, which I think is is pretty awesome. He really nailed this design for sure. Um, it might also surprise you to know that this is the first episode of Star Trek Enterprise directed by Roxanne Dawson. Wow, that is interesting. Well, six, you know, sixth episode because she she becomes such a important directing figure in the Star Trek franchise and that this is her first one. I'll tell you what, she does a great job on her first one in Enterprise, man. Yeah. Camera angles in this are great. A lot of the, like, it's like your uh, first person perspective, a lot of shots. I really thought you did a great job. I love a lot of uh, the episodes that Roxanne has directed of various things just for that reason. You know, she takes things that you may see many times and then you see them in a different way. And it's exciting for the viewer. You know, it breaks the monotony of of some of these shows. Um, I, I love the reflection of the Endorian that Archer notices because I think that's a wonderfully constructed shot. Plus, I think the editing around that is fantastic because is. you buy in that that's what he really saw. But uh, this is probably one of Roxanne's favorites too, uh, partly because it's so early in Enterprise's run and they're kind of defining what this series is going to be, but also because of the story itself. So I um, I had forgotten she directed this one until I rewatched it uh, just the other day. That's very cool. Uh, here's one thing that I found interesting about the episode. Well, it's not really, you don't really find it in the episode, but I did not know until doing some history about the episode is that Shran actually has a first name. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, 
Silek, I think is how you pronounce it. Of course, Andorians, for some reason, and Vulcans like to have apostrophes in their names, and he does as well. <laughs> I think it's because it looks It does alien. look cool. It does look cool. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. Sorry, I, I was on Memory Alpha, and uh, one of those pop-up ads came on, and it just oh, blew yes. my ears out, so I just oh, jumped, okay. so I'm sorry oh, about that. Okay, your eyes, are your ears bleeding? Uh, a little bit. Oh, mine are. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. You look. I'm good. just kidding. This has actually been a really good discussion. Look, just... you're on fire tonight. <laughs> Boom. I, uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you. And as you mentioned, we do see Pajem, or we hear about Pajem again, um, because it gets... Uh, Pretty much obliterated in Shadows of Pajem, um, which is just like nine episodes after this. Yeah, it's not. I've, I'll have to look it up, but it's it's not very far down. It is it's still in season one. I know that. Yeah, it's season one, uh, episode 15. Okay, so yeah, nine episodes later. Yep. Which uh, really kind of blows my mind. Um, uh, and Pajem. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I have to admit, it's been so long since I've seen... I haven't watched... Um, that episode was, since it aired. I was just going to say, I haven't seen that one in years. Which would have been in 2002, so 17 years ago. Wow. I honestly don't remember what happens in Shadows of Pajem. Hmm. Couldn't tell you. Okay. All right. I couldn't either. I can tell you it involves Pajem. And some shadow. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. That's almost as bad as a Farkism. Uh, is anything as bad as your Farkisms? <laughs> the answer here is no, my Negatory. <laughs> um but yeah, Shadow, I mean, sorry, um, the Andorian incident, which I always used to confuse with Shadows of Bajem. Um, fantastic episode. I mean, this is this is a great hour of television. I mean, obviously, there's some there's some writing issues here that that I have questions about, um, and that's fine. But um, this is totally enjoyable and one that I, I enjoyed watching multiple times just to prepare for today. This could be one of those episodes when we're doing a see it or skip it and we really want to introduce somebody to a specific series. This might be the one that I would pick for an early episode of Enterprise to to welcome someone to the family. Interesting. Because you get that history. Um, if, if anybody, well, you might want to have a little bit of history about TOS, but to bring somebody into Enterprise because it introduces them again and it introduces them in a big way and it just has always stood out to me. I think that's uh, that's a great place to uh, to leave that and wrap it up. Uh, any closing thoughts on this episode before we uh, we move along? You're in my debt. <laughs> no, I think you're in my debt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I made to, I, you know what I might do this weekend is double feature this and, and rewatch it again and then follow it right up with Shadows of a Gem. I think that would be pretty interesting. That's a great um, idea. That seems like a good uh, one-two punch there. No pun intended. Oh. But um, yeah, ev- everything from, from story to acting to, to even just the shots in this episode is fantastic. If you haven't seen Endorian Incident, you know, load up the Netflix or the or the, the Blu-rays and, and fire this one up because it's a great hour. It really is. I, not much more I can say. It's, it's fantastic. And it's interesting as, and we'll talk about this later on in some future episode, the arc of the Andorians and, and the albino Andorian and this, that, and the other thing, they really become involved in Enterprise as the series continues along, much more so than I ever would have expected when you think about the, the Romulans and everything else. So, yeah, I'm glad they brought them back. I'm going to um, I'm going to take a wild guess here because, like I said, it's been a while since I've seen this. The albino Andorian is that the episode the Anar? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's a, yeah. I think that 
is that the species name? That's just another type of Andorian. It's been, like I said, it's been a while, but um, it all has to do with the Romulans and and some pretty awesome episodes in the in the final seasons of uh, of Enterprise. I think it is. I just I think that's also the name of the episode. So yes, I think you're correct. Well, Dan, you know another thing that is completely correct is our love of the band five year mission. We are so grateful to them. They who now have a podcast on this here podcast network, um, which is fantastic. Uh, they have just revived their what are little songs made of series for episode three of five year mission, the podcast. Yes. And they are breaking down the first track off of year two, which is the Galileo seven, which is, a f- oh, I love that song. Uh, that well, I love all their songs. I was going to say, what song don't we love? But. I know that's true. <laughs> if they ever make a song about Dan, I'll uh, I'll probably not like that song. But um, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't keep it up. But you know, in addition to subscribing to their podcast, which we want everyone to do, check it out. You're going to have a great time. Please go out to fiveyearmission.net, get a copy of Year Two, and while you're at it, get the other years one three, four, get Spock's brain, get the trouble with Tribbles, get those CDs in your hands because physical media is awesome and uh, become a huge fan of 5YM because we are. So that's 5yearmission.net. Go get your tunes and then get your podcast or get their podcast in your ears on your smartphone. Love them. Love them all. They're all great. You know, I got a question though, Bill. Here we go. What will happen to Captain Proton when he confronts the evil Dr. Chaotica and his henchmen, will he be able to defeat Satan's robots and Lonzak by casting them into the pit of crocodiles? Or will he be trapped in the room of Rittenhouse and be forced to listen to the same songs over and over and over again until his ears bleed? And what's this? Her Majesty has joined forces with the evil Doctor, and together they will try and take over the universe and use the broadcast microphone to enslave everyone with five-year mission for all eternity. What else would you expect from Queen Farkrachnia, Queen of the Spider People? <laughs> Queen... Farkrachnia? I, uh, why is it not Queen of the Spider Drummers? Um, Queen That's Fark- fiveyearmission.net. Uh. I've got so many questions about this Farkism. It's like the writing of Enterprise. Um, no, it's, it's actually a lot worse. Uh, but yeah, fiveyearmission.net, please become a huge fan and check out their podcast on the Trick Geeks Podcast Network the podcast network for your Star Trek fandom. Don't forget, you can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. You can get access to content you're just not going to get anywhere else. See the first of our annual supporters' pins from fan sets, take part in a roundtable, and get raw, unedited audio of this here podcast along with other perks, my friend. Yes, and we would like to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack, Sean Lynn, Shane Murray, Tim Robertson, Tim Serdar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Christina Werther, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. (laughs) 
<laughs> Tyler, Tyler back, Dr. Chaotica. We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Corey Stone, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. You too can become producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today. Next week, Dan, we are going to continue our ongoing celebration of the women of Star Trek. And this character is certainly one of the most amazing characters in the history of the franchise. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, man. This woman is formidable. She's strong. And she is a force to be reckoned with. She grew up a terrorist fighting against the Cardassian occupation and then became first officer and trusted confidant for Captain Sisko on Deep Space Nine. She is the one and only Kira Norris, played by the wonderful Nana Visitor, and we will talk all about this unique character next week on Trek Geeks, the flagship podcast of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Wow, that's got a nice ring to it. Don't forget... The other podcasts on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Obviously, there's Discovering Trek. We recently just dropped two episodes of Discovering Trek, talking about the short treks that were released last week. Very exciting stuff. There's Polytracks. There's a Rewind episode, one of which is coming very, very soon. And, of course, the aforementioned five-year mission. You can find all of our podcasts at trekgeeks.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 194 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Will they be thrown into the pit of coconut? I'm sorry. I just can't get it out of my head. I'm sorry. I'm done. Good night. Bye. (laughs) That's the quickest coconut ever. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and discoveringtrek.com. Bing bong! Bing bong! Are you getting those uh, those pipes ready? I love it. You're going to record some stuff tonight. I'm sure I'm going to start coughing any minute because I haven't coughed in the last six hours. So it's only, um, you know, whatever. It's going to happen. Yeah. I, it's right there. I can feel it right there. It's like... <laughs> like what? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny because my video is kind of half in and half out. So like I freeze with my tongue sticking out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have that problem. I'm not seeing that happen to you. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Well, just I wonder if you got some bandwidth utilization on your side. It could possibly be. I don't know. But, it, you know, I, you sound dulcet. I do, don't I always, though? Oh, my God. I know. I, say. I mean, I look fantastic. You look stunning. I'm sexy I AF, wish you would yo. stun me so I wouldn't have to look at you. Uh, no, I would set that sucker to kill. I'm sure you would yeah. vaporize. What's the Veron T disruptor you would use on oh, me, Valley? God, I've Ooh. had dreams of that. I felt bad for that girl because that looked like it stung. <laughs> it looked like it hurt a lot a little bit a little bit you mean the Verity disruptor or her face oh wow or That's her makeup i mean it Verity. looked like she had suffered some sort of burn or something like that oh uh, no i was just talking about the Verity disruptor that looked like a little ouch it took me great effort effort
I love that line. I would love it if you put in some effort. Effort that would be amazing. <laughs> you know, you're you're quick with the quits. You're a quick quipper. <laughs> I, you know, you can't even. You couldn't type that out without some a typo if you had to. Eat some quiz and be a quick quipper. <laughs> Remember quiz? Uh, the cereal? I've heard of it. I never had it. I had it when I was, I don't know if it's around anymore, but I had it when I was a kid. The, the, the cartoon guy on the cover of the box was like this alien, and he had a hat with a propeller on the top of it. Was it like a puffed rice cereal or something like that? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm looking at it now. No, it's kind of like a corn. Well, was it corn? I don't know if it was yeah, corn. Yeah, almost like a corn pops. But it was like a little of, circular, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Quisp. Very weird name for a cereal, I might add. Quisp. I wonder if Quisp. Oh, Quaker these are, these are, maybe. These are the product details from the oh, Quaker Oats website. Here we go. In 1965, dun, dun, dun. Quisp landed on Earth with his quasi energy cereal, and the world's been a better place ever since, especially during breakfast. <laughs> the saucer shaped crunchy corn cereal has delighted kids and adults everywhere. Bring Quisp to your house and home planet today. The crispy flavor is out of this world. It's Quisp. Quisp. Q-U-I-S-P. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I that was that was a cold read. That was very good. That was actually very good. You sounded Thank like you. the uh, this is CNN breaking news. But sounded like that CNN, guy a little bit. So I wouldn't know that. Yeah, I just see I hear that one driving around the radio this morning when I'm flipping through the Sirius XM stations. And for the record, I don't watch any cable news. I barely watch. people wonder what I watch. Uh, I, I watched um, Dirty Harry tonight before I came upstairs. <laughs> with, with Andrew J. Robinson. Uh, man's got to know his limitations. Oh, he is so good in that movie. He is a nut burger. And I don't even know if that quote is from that movie, but all the Dirty Harry quotes, I think, are interchangeable. If you ran into Harry on the street, I think he would say any one of them at any time. Could. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's a good movie. I mean, it's it's so dated. Uh, obviously, 72, I think, or something like that. 74. Something like that. But we and talked about this when we talked with Andy. I mean, yeah. It's it, it it's dated, but it holds up as a portrayal of you know one of the first real serial killers depicted in film. Yeah, and he's he's bad news in that in that movie, man. He he's believable. He is very believable. His eyes. There's one scene right before it came up. So I'm not done with it yet, but one scene is when he's grabbing the money from from Callahan at the cross in San Francisco, and he's got an orange mask with just the eyes and the mouth, and his eyes. He's got Galron eyes in that scene, and it just <laughs> it works perfectly. Who would have known back then that he had Galron eyes and would be Garrick in the same franchise? Oh my God, I can't even believe it. Do you know what I used to refer to Galron as in the '90s? What? Crazy Eyes McGee, the Klingon dude. <laughs> <laughs> very nice very so whenever nice. i see galron you know in, in an episode that's like on bbc america or on netflix <laughs> i'm like hey it's crazy eyes mcgee <laughs> very good very good yeah and your house <laughs> the klingon dude the klingon dude glory to you and your, you know it's so amazing that bob o'reilly is absolutely nothing like galron <laughs> <laughs> nothing at all i can't He's- imagine anyone else playing galron but Bob is just so gregarious. It's, yeah, he is. He's, he's fantastic. Oh my God, remember the time that we had both him and JG on, and I don't think we talked? <laughs> it was like last year. They were plugging Northeast yeah. Con and their yeah. appearance there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we didn't talk for a good 10, 20 minutes. So it's like muted laughing the whole time, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. Talk about the inmates running the asylum. And know, right? And uh, really the question there is, who were the inmates? Or, and who's running the asylum? Wow, so you're calling them inmates? 
Or us, either way. All right. Okay. Those two old dudes are crazy. Crazy, nutty. It's like Quisp. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag. I'm going to say that hashtag for tomorrow. Yeah. Hashtag Quisptational. Quisptational. Writing that down right now. You're welcome. Yes. We're going to use that tonight. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I'm writing it down. Okay. Could, we could. Oh, you know what I should do? I should Photoshop a picture of Shran with that propeller helmet on. <laughs> I have an assignment. You should Photoshop your head on that guy. Well, my head's huge. Remember we were just talking about oh, so that. So it's his. Yeah, that's true. He's got the antennae. You got a giant noggin. Big, a big cranium. It's like Sputnik. Hid pants. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> great, great flick. You know, we have just been all over the pop culture map tonight <laughs> in, in this outtake. And it's it's just been... A few minutes. It's, I know. it's amazing. It seems like forever, though. Um, before we get into recording, I'm going to tease something for the listeners. We're not going to mention this during the episode okay. today. Right. So if you've made it this far and want to say pay attention to our social media, the Trek Geeks Network social media, on Friday, October 25th, 2019, because we are going to have a super cool announcement. Oh, so you won't be in it then? I uh, didn't say it had anything to do with me. I just said the announcement is super yes. cool. I'm very excited about this, man. I am stoked to the gills, I think is what the saying is. I normally... Is that really a saying? I, I don't really don't know. I have no idea. No. I um, <laughs> We don't tease a whole lot of stuff here, but um, this, is, this is a huge announcement that we are going to make, um, and we are excited, and we can't wait to share it with everybody. Big news. Love it. Big news. Awesome. Big doings. Big dudin, do big dudins, doins. Sorry, sorry about that. Big big doins here with the track keys. <laughs> big doins. All right, you uh, you ready to do this, there, dudin? I'm ready, pink skin. <laughs> Coconut. <laughs> 